0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. He sagged his
1: head a little bit and he said, if you want to have a personal life, you, you can't do what I do. He says, I live here in Greenville, South Carolina. My wife lives in Atlanta. And when you get to my level, you don't really have choices. You just you just go where they tell you to go. If they tell me to move to L.A., I'm in L.A. They tell me to go
0: here, I'm here. I basically become property of the company. He told us this. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the show that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Ken Carfagno, I met Ken at Podcast Movement 2021 and we immediately decided we needed to sit down and record some time together. And that's just what we did because Ken used to be on the trajectory to be a leader at a major corporation while attending one of his leadership development sessions. An executive shared with him that if you want to get to where I am, it's going to cost you your personal life. And that was just a major wake-up call for Ken. So from there, He found himself starting a cleaning business and that also turned out to not be the freedom he was looking for. And after some minor changes and adjustments in his mindset, his business structure, he did find the freedom he was looking for. After all, the scalability that he was wanting, and from there, he teaches others to do the same. So if you're looking for freedom from the golden handcuffs and you want to make sure that your business idea does not have you trapped, you want to check out this episode that I have with Ken. So sit back and relax, unless you're throwing books or chunklas or something at somebody who's just out of line, which you probably shouldn't because I think that's assault. Uh, listen to this episode. Here we go. All right. Hey, Ken, I'm glad that we're able to meet up here at Podcast Movement in Nashville 2021. How are you doing?
1: Oh, it's awesome being here, Jerry. Nice. And I was so excited to get to meet you yesterday.
0: And Nashville is amazing. I haven't really been outside of the, uh, the gay Lord Opryland yet, other than to go to my hotel and back. But tonight is the, uh, iHeartRadio party with, uh, QuestLove, I guess is doing the DJ thing. So I'm hoping I get a second win. Cause like right now is that, that window where my brain shuts down. And in about an hour, it should start to perk back up. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping for that second win. Cause that's, Great networking opportunity and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's So far, what's been the biggest thing that stood out to you at Podcast Movement? Well,
1: going back a step, I actually am sitting here 10 minutes back from going to visit one of my heroes, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, that's right. So he's up in Franklin. It was a 32-minute Uber drive. My buddy, John Shuckman, who's also here okay, uh, with the podcast, and he's like, Hey, Ken, I'm going over to meet my hero. You want to come? I'm like, yeah. So he's in the studio today, and both of us got a chance to meet him and we have a great story where we paid off close to $200,000 in debt oh, it took man. us 12 years and so we did a debt free scream like from our house you know during covid last year but to be there in person today shake his hand thank him got some pictures so i'm so i did leave the opryland and and took an uber and explored a little bit of nashville nice. on the way so back here there you go and uh, I'm just glad I didn't miss the interview. I would have been in trouble. Oh, no,
0: no. We would just, we saw it tomorrow. So I would have yeah. made this work. Yeah. Uh, so what was it like meeting Dave? You know, I know it was awful what we were planning on talking about, but still, I mean, a lot of folks listen to him. They've done Financial Peace University, sure. but not everybody gets to meet him in person and shake his hand. So what was that like?
1: He is very authentic and he's genuine. What you hear is what he is. There's many people like that I'm noticing, even here at Podcast Movement, like John Lee Dumas is another good example of someone that seems so larger than life here at this conference. You meet him in person, he's just he's just John and he's regular. It's He's just Dave and he's just walking around him like, hey, he walks around in blue jeans. He really does. And quick story, I'm a storyteller. You're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have brought Ken on. He's a No, that's the whole point okay. of this. Yeah. Okay. You're good with stories? Okay. <laughs> Go for it. The man that introduced us yesterday, Vincent Puglisi, Total Life Freedom, good friend of mine, really good friend of mine. Him and I met at a Dave Ramsey event. Really? 2014, New York City, Business Gets Personal. Check out this lineup. Dave Ramsey, Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin. One conference. And him and I met at that conference and we've been close friends ever since. So that was the first time I met Dave. We were taking financial peace at the time. And I even was able to kind of sneak up to Dave, get a picture. And then I said, Hey, Dave, We're in lesson three of financial peace. Would you mind cutting a quick video to encourage the class? And so I got him to make a little video of me, like arm on his shoulder. I got the video, went back to class like the next week. I, I said, hey, class, I have a special presentation for you. And they were just like, okay, I'm here, class. And then here comes Dave, not on like the regular video DVD from the teaching, But it's the one of the guys from their class with Dave, Dave Davey giving a special message and they're like, oh my gosh, who are you? So that was really cool to meet him then at the beginning of our journey and getting to meet him again. It's kind of like that, you know, the beginning of an end of a journey and there's some closure there. So I felt really good. So thanks for asking.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's huge. I mean, my wife and I went through Financial Peace University roughly a decade ago. We've Gotten a little bit slower. I mean, hearing that you've done it in twelve years, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, All right, yeah, Liv and I have got to talk. We're a little bit behind schedule here. <laughs> so, well, there's there we go.
1: We thought we took forever. Yeah. I mean, twelve years is a long it is. time.
0: But then there's that sense of freedom though. It's like, ha, ah, I like how Dave says, you know, if you got a job you don't like and you have no debt, you can just walk off the job and people are like, Where are you going? And you're like, No bills to pay. I'm leaving. <laughs> it, it's true. I mean,
1: you think about it. The, you know, the the concept of the show, right? About being, you know, beyond the rut. Debt can be a major rut. Yeah. When you get yourself into debt and you feel there's no way out, which we were. I mean, at one point it was 2006, watching you know the tow truck take away our only car. We had no cars because we waved goodbye. Okay, what's repo mean? Oh, we get to uh, our car's gone, but we can do something else. No, then they send you the bill for the remainder. And you have have no car. I'm like, okay, that's a low point. We owed owed like 35. We owed everyone 35 creditors, a ton. And it's like, wow, this would never get. How how are we ever going to get out of this rut? It's overwhelming. And I imagine there's so many dimensions of a rut, right? And whatever one you're in, it could be a debt one. It could be, you know, like you're going nowhere in a job. It could be even in a business. Yeah, Um, It could be in a
0: marriage relationship that they're stuck in a rut. Yeah. Yeah, it's.
1: I, and I've done a little bit of this. Um, I've studied this a bit. I've been really big on vision. And you know, I know you probably want to get into my story a little bit, and I'd love to share that. But there's some things I've been studying on visionaries and on the dream. And uh, and, and it's helped me to kind of see a rut in a different light. And, you know, want me to go into this a yeah, little bit? Yeah, go Because okay. I thought it was really helpful. Uh, there's like... There's a really cool like model, if you can imagine this. I know you're listening to this podcast. But imagine, I'm sitting here, you're talking to Jerry face-to-face, but imagine there's two circles, and you just draw two circles with your hands in the air. Imagine one circle is small, the other circle is big. Let's say the big circle represents your dream. Okay. The small circle represents your capacity to achieve your dream. When your capacity circle is smaller than your dream circle, you're super hungry. You're motivated. You just want to go get that dream, right? But there's a second stage. Maybe when you get out of your job. Maybe when you get in a rut. You get comfortable, complacent. Imagine that your dream circle stays the same size. You have built, your. maybe you got out of debt. You've built your business or you found a new cool Like promotion or something at your job, and you're you're there. You got that big promotion. Wherever you're, wherever you are in life, maybe you got the marriage counseling, and you got to the spot. Now your capacity circle is the same size as your dream circle, and you're at first you're like, ah, it's like I'm there. There's a place of, you know, like in the desert, the oasis in the desert. You're just walking through, and there it is, the palm tree with the water flowing. You go into that spot, but around the oasis is all death. It's all desert. Eventually, the oasis dies. And if you stay at that place, I believe that's where the rut comes from. Because you stop growing your dream circle. And what's even worse, stage three, what can happen is that imagine if your dream doesn't grow still. But you keep growing your business. And your capacity circle expands beyond your dream. Now you've got more than anything you could ever want. Think of think of celebrities. Actors, multimillionaires, and they did not do the hard work on dream building. And now they're in a place where it's not complacent because you you sit in that, the two circles the same size, you get complacent, you get comfortable. That comfort leads to something I believe is very, very dangerous. I believe that is the rut. The definition of the rut is is staying in that circle's the same size. Okay. But now when you get your capacity much bigger than your dream – you can turn into an apathetic state and you can get depressed. And and men that are listening to this. If you feel like I'm in a rut, then you're probably at that second stage. But if you're like, my life sucks, I'm feeling depressed, whatever. If you, you you get beyond that, you're probably at at a place where your dream circle is too small. And the answer to all of these phases is always work in your capacity. Always grow your mind, personal develop, right? Yeah. And grow your capacity because your business, your job, your marriage will never outgrow your capacity to do so. But don't neglect the building of your dream. And when you build your dream alongside of your capacity, keep your dream bigger. You'll get yourself back into that phase one hunger mode and you'll never be in a rut again.
0: Yeah. But that's the challenge that I, like I that. think we all face. I know it's difficult. Maybe you can like throw it. In- um part of staying out of the rut is always pursue something bigger than what you are today. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Keep your dream maybe that's the simple way of saying it, keep your dream bigger than your capacity to achieve that dream. And this is a quote from Ellen Sirleaf Johnson. I should pulled this off and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it's essentially that that your dream must always be greater than your capacity to achieve it. Otherwise, you're going to fall into comfort or apathy. It's, it's a dangerous place to be mentally, emotionally. And you know, so I'm, if this is connecting with you, all you got to do is go back to the basics and build your dream. What does that look like? I'm sure you can t- you've talked about oh, that yeah. in your show.
0: Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, man, the, the other two founders of the, of beyond the rut. Need to be hearing this because this is what we've been talking about for the last six years. Is yes. you know we're not trying to reach that person who hit the bottom uh, because there's a lot of inspiration out of that. There are a lot of shows out there already. Uh, but we want to reach those folks that, just like you said, you know they they got a great job. You know they've got the big house, the cars, they've got the family, they got the picket fence. Maybe they got the two point five children, or whatever. I mean, I don't even get a half a child, but um, I got double that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go big or go home. No, uh, but it, because they've hit that comfort zone they've stopped and where they now start to struggle is just like you said that, you know, is this job all there is, Mm -hmm. is this house, our prison now, like we can't go do this trip or this adventure because we got a mortgage to pay. And because of that mortgage, I got to keep going to this job. Uh, But the job was so nice. The pay was so great. How is it? I don't like this anymore. And that is essentially it. You know, so what is that next Dream. What is that bigger oasis? Because it's right. If if you stay still, you're going to just drift into oblivion, or drift into um, like in a marriage, you're going to drift apart instead of towards oneness. Well, the desert will
1: eventually take over the the oasis. Yeah, because you know what's more, what's stronger? The desert all around it, the miles and miles of desert, or the very small oasis that has water in it. Yeah, eventually it's going to choke out what's inside. Yeah, you got power of the sun, you got the wind, you got all that, and you get fooled. When you're in that place of comfort, you're fooled because you're comfortable. And before, and, and it, as you know in life, nothing ever stays the same. You're either growing
0: or you're dying. The oasis is probably not growing. It's a desert around it. Gosh, somehow that just reminded me of combat. I'm not in the, the gory, like, I'm not going to get all scary on everybody here. But um, one of the biggest things with tactics is you don't stay still. You know, yeah, your base will have, like, fighting positions and stuff. Uh, but you're not meant to stay in your foxhole the whole time because... The enemy is moving around the whole time and you know they know where you are. And if you stay there, it's not if they find you and kill you. It's when they find you and kill you. And so maneuver is the key to winning in a battle. And I, I think kind of what we're saying here is if you want to stay out of the rut, if you want to win that battle against the rut or the war against the Ooh, rut, that's good. Um, you got to be on the move all the time. It's so, like yeah. the
1: difference. What's, it's same thing with water. I mean, yeah. the Dead Sea's dead because it doesn't move. Yeah. You know, right. There's no
0: circulation, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. good. Man. Imagine
1: this too. How many of your listeners, and we'll eventually get to my story, I'm sure. Yeah. But, oh, but yeah. How many of your listeners maybe are like my dad? I'll just tell them. I love my dad. Tell me if you relate to this at all but he had the dream for the house he wanted to provide for his family. Now, I was with my stepmom and younger brother, but he didn't quite have the capacity at the time. And so he stretched the capacity before it really was there. The capacity truly wasn't ready, so he went out and bought a bigger house than he truly the, the house that he bought was the dream, the size of the dream, but his capacity wasn't there yet. And and he bought something way above what he could earn. And he ended up having to work 80-hour weeks to afford that house and it eventually completely put him in a bad place. I won't go into details, but he has some severe mental illness now. So his rut turned his life upside down, all because he stretched himself. So I'm saying, yeah, it's great to have the dream bigger and get your capacity, but don't get your capacity to the dream, I guess, uh, like incorrectly or fictitiously, whatever that word would be, but do it the proper way. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah.
0: Oh, there's got to be a balance in, uh, I mean, I I think I mentioned it yesterday in our conversation, but I'll just say it here. You know, I talk about that they're kind of like five F's you got to have in balance to have a, a good, fulfilled, um, content life. Uh, and just the story, I mean, those five are uh, your faith, your family, your fitness, your finances, and your outlook on future possibility. And so what you just described about your dad you know, he got that bigger house before he was able to afford that bigger house. So that put a strain on him financially. Uh, but then it took a strain on him uh, fitness-wise. So now his mental health is at, you know, risk and has taken a, a hit. And it probably put a strain on the family life, too. And, you know, so, th- like, things just start to fall apart. But then when you start to find out what the root cause is and you shore that up, then you'll see these other pieces start to fall into place as well. Uh, so that's, yeah. Uh, now, how did that inspire you uh, in how you set your like values on what life, like what's important for you in life. When you saw that your dad going through that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. My dad, with all of his faults—and there was many—and I'm not his judge. He's my father. I love him. I was raised by my grandfather, really, uh, and he, you know he passed last year. So I'm in, in quite a state this year of just reflecting and understanding and becoming. I want to become the man that my my pop up was. But as I reflect on my dad, what is you know what are the traits that you get from your father or your grandfather? Or whoever the man was in your life that affirmed you. And from my grandfather, it was things like uh, creativity. And he was the one that would encourage me to be that creative. And no one else was. He taught me things like faith and family values. He was the only one anywhere around me that had a marriage more than 10 years. And he was, you know, when he passed, we're talking 60 years of marriage with my grandmother. And there was so many characteristics. Most of those Fs were from him. The one thing my dad really showed me, well, there's two things. There's an F, fun. He did show me fun. And so he was very young when he had me. He was 18. So he had that youth when I was a kid. And we would do adventures as a you know, weekend warrior. We'd go on adventures. So that was cool. And I also noticed he had tremendous work ethic. And I watched that as a kid. And so I wasn't surprised when I saw him doing this. Because, oh, he'll just outwork it. He has a mindset where he could always outwork whatever situation he was in. And this time he couldn't. He bit off more than he can chew. So how did it how did it hit me? Well, it it just showed me one more example of, I mean, you can you can't outwork everything. I mean, work is a great uh, factor, right? But you have to have a little, you know, work smart. You know, he didn't work smart. He just tried and grunted
0: out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many men I come across, um, the work ethics there. You know, they they, they bust their butts for their job. They get the accolades at work. They got the paycheck to show for it. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, they're thrown in those eighty-hour weeks or even sixty or seventy-hour weeks, uh, and they're tired, you know. And they miss their family, and you know they they feel like the family doesn't appreciate them. And what they're not aware of is the family's at home wondering, "Gosh, we miss Dad. When when does when does Dad coming home?" And you know, I mean, there does come a point where they just accept it. Like Dad doesn't come home. He he works. He loves his job. And but then they get the wrong impression, you know that. Dad loves his job more than he loves me. More than me, yeah. And I've heard so many people say that about their own dads, um, whether those dads are friends of mine or the kids are friends of mine, and, and we're now grown. And it's it's just a heartbreak because you know there's dad busting his rear in not realizing the family doesn't see that as love, and you know, he gets but, that yeah. from his dad. Oh wow, it's a yeah.
1: generational thing. They think that. You know, nurturing, providing for their family is equal to one word, and that's work. Yeah, providing. Yeah, and that's my dad showed that to me, and that work ethic carried me through. So maybe just touching a little bit on my story is I, I went to mechanical engineering school at Penn State, I graduated in 2000, and I got recruited out of uh, uh, by General Electric, and I got into a pretty prestigious leadership program. Down in Greenville, South Carolina, so that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of words there. So I'm working for GE, and because I'm in this leadership program, I was busted. Like this first year, it was it's you know like an engineering class. If you're familiar familiar with certain certain majors, the first year might have 600 students in a class. Oh, yeah. The second year is 60. (laughs) Yes, it's I mean, so many people drop out. Yeah, and this first year at GE was similar. I mean, you're in this pretty intense two year program which I I did graduate from, but it was a hundred plus hours. I was I was my dad and I wasn't working in the streets digging holes and fixing gas pipes like he was, blue collar guy. But I was at the office, hammering away at the keyboard, doing projects, taking a master's degree degree level courses for the job. And I was also doing leadership programs and going out of sight and traveling and I was busting and I wanted that badly. I had a chance to meet top leadership. I met Jack Welch in the first like month of being there. No, it wasn't like I was invited to some special behind the, like it was a, it was a greeting. I I would
0: have geeked out and asked for an autograph. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to.
1: The guy's like five foot five. Oh, He's man. really short. Yeah. You know, five, probably five foot eight. Yeah. And I was uh I was greeting, you know, there's a there's a board meeting every, you know, every so many years and our, our site was selected. They took the leadership guys and they put us, you know, in these nice dressed up outfits and we they made us memorize every person on the board by picture and name. And so we had to – when someone came up, we'd have to greet them because we had to recognize their face, greet them, take their jacket, hang them up, and then lead them to his place. So I was at the front door you know, at the point of the spear having to memorize – I studied for like two weeks and had all these people's names. And then I didn't get a chance to like see Jack coming. He just like weaved between people and snuck up like a like a like a gopher. Like <laughs> Hey Ken, I'm Jack Welch. Nice to meet you.
0: I'm like, oh, Mr. Welch, hi. You know, and then he's out.
1: So when I say I met Jack Welch, it's wow. like really he met me and he's gone. Yeah. But I got a chance because of my I guess position and leadership. Um, because they were grooming grooming guys like us to become the Jack Welch's in their 40s yeah and so I got in back rooms I got around the heat and as much as I was succeeding in earning the stock options and everything I could get at GE in my first two years, I did my dad's thing that hard work and I applied some smartness to it as much as I can and that got me that got me far so it was working but then I saw the inner belly of the machine and so I had that work ethic for my dad but then my grandfather showed me family values. He showed me balance. And I always wanted, I come from a big family, and so my heart was always positioned towards, yes, I want to be successful. I want to achieve my dreams, but never at the expense of my health, never at the expense of my family. And I wasn't married at the time, no kids. But what I saw, and maybe just take another minute to, to share this story, because it does still kind of ch- you know, choke me up a bit, but I remember being in this one event and there's a man i can't share his name but he was a very very high level GE guy maybe a couple thousand people that at his at his direct you know management and he was in a small room with us i mean this room we're in now is pretty big so it's maybe maybe five six tables like this so for reference maybe like a 30 by 30 room and he's up front just you know declaring all of the cool things going on in GE in the future he was talking about wind turbines and And solar, which obviously now is no big deal, but this is 20 years ago. And he's expounding on the future, just like Mark Cuban today was talking about the future of content creation of this podcast. He was talking about the future of power generation. And we were all excited. We're asking questions tell me about solar, tell me about wind. And like they're just thinking about their careers and how they could get to the next level, trying to impress the big guy. And there's this one dude stands up, says, "Uh, Mr. E. I got a question, and he's an intimidating guy. And we look over, we're like, okay, what's he gonna ask? He says, Mr. E, can you tell me about your personal life? Pin drop. And Mr. E, he dropped his shoulders, because he was like, really? Like, um, picture me, my arms are up, my, I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming all the amazing, amazing things that are happening in company. His shoulders dropped, he sagged his head a little bit, and he said, if you wanna have a personal life, you, you can't do what I do. He says, I live here in Greenville, South Carolina. My wife lives in Atlanta, two hours apart. And I heard that. I'm like, wait, what did he just say? My first thought was like, did that guy just ask that question? And I'm thinking, did he just say he lives in different states with his wife, two hours apart? They don't see each other. And when you get to my level, you don't really have choices. You're just... You just go where they tell you to go. If they tell me to move to LA, I'm in LA. They tell me to go here, I'm here. I basically become property of the company. He told us this. And most of the people in that room, you know what? It, it didn't phase them. Like, Jerry, it didn't phase them. Because they wanted that. They wanted his position, I, right? They wanted the his position. You know what happened to me? Imagine a dagger going through your heart. And maybe I didn't see it before, but I'm just working, working, working. I want to get there. I want to become that next Mr. E. But when you see your hero and realize, I think Warren Buffett has this great quote, right? Vincent's told me this quote many times, is that you don't know who's skinny dipping until the tide goes out. (laughs) It's not my quote. Warren Buffett has it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So... Again, oh, you gosh. don't know what's going on with someone until you hear something like that. And you know what it did? It disarmed me. And the dagger went right through my heart. And I'm I'm like, wait a minute. Work? Yeah, I'm I want to work. I want to have work ethic. I want But something just hit my why. Like my why was family. I didn't wasn't married new kids yet, but I have five younger siblings. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have time. I wanted all those Fs you just talked about. And I saw. A dead end. I, at that point, I realized I was in a rut. There was no way I was ever going to get to where I wanted to go if I stayed on the path. And you know, like when you want to buy a new car, it's like, like for me, we bought a Honda Pilot like last year. And all of a sudden, I think this is like, um, confirmation bias, call it. All of a sudden, it's like, there's a pilot over there, another pilot pilot they're
0: everywhere the reticular activator in your head is like turned on and that's all you see everywhere you yeah. just
1: used too big of a word for me
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> reticular what something 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 yeah but <laughs> i started seeing after that 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 conversation with mr e i'm walking around the office just like dragging my feet i'm seeing divorce i'm seeing guys with not pictures of wives just their kids two-dimensional on a desk and I started getting depressed. I started getting a little bit on that. I went from hungry to complacent to apathetic. In other words, my capacity was still where it was because I was still at the job. But my dream just
0: went down. Yeah, because you were working so hard for that to yes. get to where he is. Because yes. uh, there's you know position, there's power, there's freedom. Uh, or so we thought. And here's this guy telling you, no, I belong to the company. Life, what life? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and like you're feeling the loss of a family you don't even have yet. And, you know, that, that mind, that, that's just mind blowing. Cause most folks, when they get to that point, they've already been married for 10 years, 15 years, and their kids are already probably in middle school or, you know, high school even or elementary. And, you know, by then it's, I wouldn't say it's too late, but it's definitely harder to, to pull away. And I, I think that's just amazing that you saw that. Before you As had early as I did. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a total blessing for me. Yeah. Because you're right. So many of those men at that company, I, I mean, there's one guy I remember, uh, Mr. P. Okay. <laughs> Just All of is yeah. coming after you. After yeah, that? Yeah, no, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm in trouble. Right. I'm, I've been out of the company since 2005. Yeah, so they're so not do, coming do the math. Yeah. Mr. P, right? Bill. Bill P. <laughs> great. I won't go as far as saying he's a great guy. He was a nice guy. The guy lived GE. He was single. His dream was just to work the company, work his forty years, and once he got out, he would just go live at his house, his second house up at the lake, ride his boat around, but he had no family. And I remember like he just had a coffee mug all the time. And when I stopped by his desk, his coffee milk was like nasty brown, because he never washed it. He'd just show up at work early. He was like the expert that never tried for promotions. You know, like that guy that's become the absolute expert in a certain area. And no matter, no matter what, like he doesn't have to ever try and get promoted because they're not going to get rid of the expert. Like he's the guy that wrote, he has like 10 patents. And so he was the guy. And I looked at that guy. I'm like, is that me? Like, is that me if I stay here? And you start seeing these like, you know, these characters or these avatars of like, okay, is that me? Is that me? Is that, that's a pilot there, a pilot there. Right. And I don't want that. And so that's where the entrepreneurial bug come came and the dream started growing. So, you know, the first stage of me being in a rut was recognizing this and it wasn't right away. I mean, it was a solid year. I was feeling pretty down and starting to lose performance at the job. And then it wasn't until the the dream came back into my life of how about a business of my own? Me and my, you know, at that point we were engaged. So that kind of is like the first maybe part of the story, um, I hope that you know speaks to some of the listeners. But if you've ever been in this kind of position with your corporate job, or you're in there now, I would encourage you to do this. Like, why are you even there? Like, what is it that you want in your life? Like, think about these five Fs. Do you have the balance you want? And think about the most important things, and then start looking around at your office. Take that walk around and look through different eyes. Look through those eyes of those five Fs. Maybe scale uh, or like uh, score yourself. Maybe you have some kind of a resource where they can kind of score those five F's or something, you know, and they can look around and say, you know what? This F is a little bit on the low side. And all of a sudden you start seeing, wait, this coworker, this coworker, this coworker. And once you start seeing the things that maybe you don't want, you'll uh, realize that you can dig out of that. Because a lot of, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of guys don't even realize they're in a rut until, yeah. until they're challenged. Yeah. Do, yeah, exactly. do, do you yeah. feel that way?
0: Oh, I definitely know it's that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, if they're in a rut in their marriage, they're clueless until the wife comes up and says, I want a divorce. What? No, I've been busting my butt here. I thought we were good. It's like, no dude, you've been drifting (laughs) or um, how maybe fatherhood could have been better. And they don't realize it until maybe one of the kids get arrested or, um, you know, throw something through the window or runs away. And it's like, what? I thought our kid was so happy and, or attempt suicide. Um,
1: so when you're in a rut, you don't see the warning signs.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it's just like you're gradually going off a cliff and all of a sudden you do. And I think that's when people realize they're stuck. And, um, sometimes though, people just kind of look up and realize, wait, I think when you're in this? a rut, is yeah.
1: maybe I haven't had this thought before. When you're in a rut, you get, you get very into self and you, you see, just yourself and like just the direct path you're walking in. Maybe you lose some of those observant eyes to see warning signs and factors around you because I'm going to ride. And I'm just, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. But once you start to get a little bit more vision and you can get that dream bigger, you start to, whoa, take a look around more. Yeah. And when you look around more, you start noticing this thing. You could have, you know, big yellow flags waving by your wife, by your son. I've seen it too. I've seen, I know friends, you probably do too. You're right. After, Twenty years of marriage. All of a sudden, the wife runs off, or the husband runs off, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so tragic. And look, you hear it, you see it on Facebook. But then, how is it that there's no warning signs? There is. Is it possible that one or two of them, or both, they were just in a rut and they didn't see it? It's it's really sad. And I, I I wish that you know people that these men had a really great resource to help them
0: recognize these things before they happen. Yeah you know oddly enough i was just because i was thinking in the back of my head like because you had mentioned it just a, a moment ago like you know maybe if they had a resource where they could evaluate where they are in these areas like a scorecard yeah and i was like yeah that's a really good idea i should create one and i was like wait a second i did create one <laughs> so i've got this tool that was I unplanned created. folks it, yeah totally unplanned i mean i'll, I'll vinmo you <laughs> uh, so it was uh it's a tool that um at the beginning of this episode most likely you you heard the ad uh unless i pulled the ad by now um but there's a tool called measure it to make it and it's a goal setting tool. But the biggest part of that is you take the time to evaluate where are you in your faith? Uh, where are you in your family uh, status? You know, is it where you want it to be? Um, are you on the path of creating the family that you want? Uh, where are you in your fitness levels? Uh, not just physical, but mental, uh, emotional, spiritual fitness levels. Uh, and then how would you you know evaluate your resiliency and then there's the finances piece where are you financially and then what is your outlook on future possibility do you, do you firmly believe that you can still make impact in the world. And what is it? You know, so th- that's where you kind of like really starting to dream a little bit. And so, yeah. And, and so the, the very beginning of that tool is a walkthrough of those five pillars or those five circles. Uh, I, I like to use circles because they do intertwine, you know, if one area is suffering, just like we talked about earlier, like your dad's story, uh, it does bleed over into the other areas or it feeds off of those other areas. And then you have a, a drop in the quality of life. Um, I guess with pillars that works too, because you take away enough columns, the whole structure collapses and yeah. So, I guess either of those work. I like circles, so I'm sticking with circles. But anyway, uh, yeah, so measure it to make it uh, beyondtherut.com slash goals. So, a little mid roll there. I didn't plan to make it. I wasn't so planned.
1: Nice. And just for the record, I
0: don't have this figured out, Jerry. I don't, if, I, <laughs> if you measure
1: me, oh, look at this guy. He knows he's got it figured out. No, I don't. Yeah.
0: And it's not for me to
1: measure you anyway. No, it's no. you measuring it's yourself. Where are
0: you? Where do you right. want to be? And I mean, it's act? an account, but you can make yeah.
1: it an, I'm not sure how the community works here, but I mean, you could even have it as an accountability tool. Maybe it's two guys get together that are part of this community and they each got their measure to make it. And they look at, hey, what's your score? I'm at 20. What's your, I'm at 25. Hey, let's make sure we both get to 30 by the end of the month. And they lock arm in arm and they get a little bit of a, that, that fire back and it just takes a little spark, right? A fire is created by a little spark. Wow! So you're
0: telling me I need to quantify this thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I've just officially made more work for Jerry. He's I got,
0: like, I got some edits to do. Why did I pick this guy? Of all
1: the guys in the conference interview, I think it'll work. It's got to work. Uh, it's
0: right. But it's it's a good thing. So I, I I'll have to think through like how to quantify that. But you'll at least be able to qualify and identify where are you now? Where do you want to be? And sure. That is your measure as well. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I'd love um, to see that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll just email you a copy. Yeah I'll, yeah. I'll let you
1: know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it and send it back to you. There and we you go. can report. Hey, remember that guest we had, that crazy GE guy? <laughs> <laughs> His score was a one. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he sounded really good, but then he was so, a one.
0: <laughs> and the funny thing is there was no grading scale. We just made up the number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I really do like the fact that, uh, and this was the thing that impressed me when we chatted yesterday was the fact that you, I, I, I mean, we already said it, but, um, So you saw the light in terms of if you stayed in the job and pursued the career path you're on, you're going to have money, you're going to have power, you're not going to have much of a family, you're not going to have the freedom that you wanted. And then so you you started to pull back from that and then you you kind of teased there that you've got this entrepreneurial bug forming or the seed that's been planted um, and you were engaged at the time. Uh, so tell us about that so i mean because i know i'm going to speed it up a little bit here um so folks uh spoiler alert and i'm just going to tell you um ken gets laid off I, I think that's what you told me right no, no you I, didn't get laid no, off i didn't get laid off i no. feel that in okay You got fired you got fired well gone, laid off gone, sounded gone. better <laughs> and gentler no no <laughs> you got fired i got
1: fired remember, remember i said i started checking out emotionally yeah so you check out like piece by piece over the course of three bad performance reviews. Okay. Yeah. then we get you fired. I'm a bit of an optimist. <laughs> and so when they came with security, <laughs> oh, no. they're like, Hey, Ken, we're going to have to uh, you know, help you out of here. Okay. Where are we going? We go to lunch. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to HR. Oh, awesome. I got some questions for them anyway. Like I had no idea. And then it's from there out the door and boom, there goes a career. And now I'm on my butt. What to do at that point? Very thankful that my wife, had started of all things a cleaning business three months before that okay. serendipitous now we're we're a Christian family, so faith is weaves very strongly through everything we do. and so it's not surprising that uh, God put that in our path beforehand, but here we are an option in front of me do I pursue engineering again, which I was I knew it was just going to be open up another door and find the same
0: thing Now there that's are, what most people do is they just d- stay in the same field. yeah
1: what does Einstein say? Who? What does Einstein say about that, right?
0: Oh, yeah. What's the definition yeah, of insanity? Ins- insanity right? Right?
1: doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So, and again, if you are an engineer and you have a great job and it's not like this, there are many companies that are awesome. And I am not downplaying that or trying to, um, you know, say this is for every engineering company. But for where I was at a very high performance based company like GE, I personally would have pursued the same type of company because it's all I knew. And so I would have opened up door after door and it would have been the same thing. We had this, this cleaning company. My wife's like, Hey, good luck with your cleaning company. Now that you're fired from your job, you know, it's you see we have a baby at home and we made the decision. mom staying home no matter what. And so, i got to put on my bootstraps and and make this thing work. So basically your wife hired you and then passed the reins on to you. She's very smart. <laughs> yeah, she did, She's the master delegator.
0: <laughs> so she's, to come back on and talk about delegation will be Mrs. <laughs> Carfagno. Carfagno.
1: Yeah, she did really well at that. So awesome. we started a cleaning company and Carfagno Cleaning, super creative, I know. Yeah, it and works. it was really cool because... Within like two weeks of getting fired, the cleaning business was already there. I got a call from a major real estate company, Well Banker, and they have like a concierge service at the center of their of their company. They don't have it at every city, but where we were at the time in Albany, New York, they had this concierge uh, center for vent preferred vendors, and they they called me, hey, uh, Ken. your uh, name just came across our desk. We got your information. I'm like, how'd you get my information? I just got fired from my job. What information? They're like, oh, yeah, you have a cleaning company? I'm like, I do. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we have two cleaners that we keep on our preferred vendor list, and one of them is sick and had to quit. Would you be interested in coming in for an interview? I'm like, I'll be there. Like, but I'm like, oh, yeah, let me think about it. Of course. Yeah, of course I'll be there, right? And so that turned out to be my training grounds for what became a fairly successful cleaning company that we ran in upstate New York for 14 years. Um, But eventually we wanted to get back home. So here's maybe another rut. Okay, We we had a growing business and I've always done it by myself. Not so much now. I'm hiring people. Uh, But we got comfortable with a certain amount of income. We're doing the Dave Ramsey plan. We're adding a lot of kids. We have five kids. (laughs) We were always, my wife was either always pregnant or nursing for a good, what, uh, 15 years in a row. And that's what our life, and we're, you know, 10 in church and doing different, you know, homeschooling events as our kids get older. And that was our life. We had a good life. I could have expanded my dream. I could have expanded my capacity. But I had seen too much of GE and I think I was a little afraid of pursuing more in my own business because, well, if I pursue more, I might lose my family element. I had a good little deal going where At one point, I was working two days a week cleaning, and I had five day weekends with my family. And my income was as much as my old GE job. That didn't happen right away. That's turned into like a course, and I Smart Cleaning School. I, I I do this for you know for new cleaning companies. But we got comfortable in this spot, and then we started. I feel like we started getting into a rut again where we've always wanted to go back to our hometown. We're from Philadelphia, the suburbs of Philadelphia. We're living in upstate New York. Hey honey, we're just making this move for two years. Two years turned into four, turned into eight, turned into 16. And then the opportunity came, well, what about us moving back to Philadelphia now? And then that's when a new dream came. But there was a time for a couple of years, we were just comfortable making good money, um, working a couple of days a week, enjoying life you know, with, with everything but still missing family and that started creating another heartache and like kind of like that dagger I said from before, it was kind of like instead of being stabbed in my, in my heart, like the first time felt like the dagger was like being slowly pushed in. Like we had our, our wife, my kids all here, but I'm the oldest of five, Jerry. Oh, it was a six actually. And my younger baby sisters were getting married, having little kids. My grandfather, grandparents who raised me really, my mom and dad love them. My grandparents raised me. And so they were getting older. We missed the time with them, the the cousins, you know, the, my, my kids with their cousins. And we started yearning for that again. So that was what probably started getting us out of the rut again and seeing different possibilities. So that's a different type of rut we were in. Um, marriage has always been fairly well. So I don't think we've really had that rut. There's probably a hundred different ruts out there, and I don't think you have to experience every one of them to be on the show. But oh, definitely no, no, no. I've no. had I had them <laughs> and I feel them, and they're very. They're hard to get out of, and you can feel that that complacency setting in. I would I would maybe say this: if you feel complacent, you're in a rut. I think by definition, if you're complacent, would you agree?
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: So if you're feeling complacent, you're in a rut, and I challenge you to to, to look at that. So whatever the scorecard is, right? Look at those five S and say: Am I complacent in my faith? Am I complacent with my family? Am I complacent in the way the the, the way that I'm looking through the through the lens of the future? Am I just comfortable with where I'm at? You might not even see it, but you're in a rut. So I was there, and we we sold our business, went back to the Philly area, and you know started a new company, and and doing all this online stuff. The podcast comes. I come to these conferences, and I meet Jerry. Woohoo! That's me.
0: <laughs> so nice. Uh, so I mean, that's a
1: it's a lot there.
0: That's a lot. I, yeah, I tried to cover it quickly um, too, and you got it. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, so you you'd gotten fired, you started a business. Uh, it's taking care of the family, and then um, you start to leverage your time and and earning income off of that by now teaching other people how can you start your cleaning business and run it like a business and keep it open um, and so now that's expanding things on a greater level so uh then you you realize we're missing out on other things that are important to us, and that I think that's the key thing right there is in every one of these situations you recognize that there's a choice to be made. You know, there's what, what we call financial security, but then we're also, you know, if we stay here and do this thing that's been working now, we're ultimately going to be missing out on what's most important, which is the family relationships and, you know, being close with the people who matter most. And that is a key thing right there, is, is knowing where your priorities are I, and truly knowing what your values are and then, when the time comes, having the courage to say, "We got to be closer to family," and um, you know that that I think is the biggest, hardest decision for us to make as as men, because the the thing you mentioned way at the beginning about that pressure to provide is so strong, and um, that we think that we got to do everything we can, includes selling our family out to put more time in at the office to make them money to not lose that income, and. The reality is for you, when you got fired, your wife hired you. I mean, that, that's essentially what happened. She she put you in charge. She made you CEO. She's going to love this podcast. You know, yeah, well, yeah. Because uh, she knows this is exactly how it went down. She's like, yeah, I told you. This. you know? <laughs> I haven't met her yet. Uh, but, I mean, that, that's essentially what happened, though. Like, she had already started this business. She kind of paved the way for you. She did. Um, and from a spiritual perspective, I mean, I've always been told, you know, God kind of prepares a way for you, and you just got to be obedient oh, and walk through. 100%. Uh, I'm not calling your wife God, but... I would say he at least used her to prepare the way for you. I wouldn't have done and, it on my own. I yeah. need
1: I needed her to be the one to do this because I wouldn't have done it on my own. Yeah. I had to I've I had to have it almost like a last resort. Yeah. Like there's nowhere else to turn because I would never have picked so many people in my career as a cleaner. Wait, you were an engineer? Can you explain how? I've literally had to write a blog on my my cleaning <laughs> website. How did Ken go from engineer to cleaner? I've had to explain yeah. this so many times. But there's there's two things I'm just thinking of. Um, one to respond to what you just said is the word courage was such a big part of your your last you know little monologue there. That is so so important because you know people think about well what is courage right? You've heard the definition right? It's not it's not the absence of fear. Like it's oh, no, o- no, like no. men, it's okay to have fear. Like I have fear about a lot of things. I think being in a rut by definition right? You're complacent and you're fearful. And so, what's the ingredient to get out of the rut? Well, Ken just says, you know, expand your dream. You need to have courage first. Like, you need to have for maybe a little faith, look to believe that you can get out and then add just a little, you know, just a little drop of courage and just take a step and then add another drop. And it's, and it, it builds. Like, you don't just step out of the rut. The, you know, the, the rut could be a mile deep. If you've been, if you've been, Digging the rut over and over and over again, it's probably a mile deep, and you might look up the rut and be like, I'll never get out of here. But you can take baby steps. Like I told you, I was just with Dave Ramsey. Yeah, 12 years. 12 years, baby steps, debt payment by debt payment. That's 12 payments, 12 years. That's 144 payments it took us to get out of debt. Wow. Yeah. Was that right? 12 times 12? Yeah, Something? yeah, yeah. A former engineer, I should get that right. 144. <laughs> no <And> the, pressure. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to bring up, is that I don't know the full demographic of this audience here, but, but don't just say I'm, I'm. We're not just talking to employees. Like if you're an employee, you can. I think employees can get into a rut, and that's kind of the you know stereotype. Oh, employees are in a rut. I know a lot of business owners, Jerry. I think possibly there might be just as many, if not more, entrepreneurs that are in a rut. Oh yeah, yeah. And so if you're an employee, getting out of the job and getting your own business doesn't get you out of the
0: rut forever. This is, this is something you have to work at. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even at a corporate level, uh, if the company as a whole, if the business as a whole, if the individual as a whole isn't pursuing something bigger, it's like we said, you just wither and die or like that oasis, the desert just swallows it up, burns it up, dries it up, whatever the best analogy is for that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, man, this is like fire from, from heaven. Scorching yes. the oasis. Yes. It's gone. Lightning,
1: done. You're dead. <laughs> you get the rut. Now you're dead. Uh, so
0: <laughs> your platform is about helping uh, people. I, I know I've already mentioned, but I'd like to kind of bring it back, uh, is to help people open up their own um, cleaning business and, and run and operate it. Uh, what What's the next level for you? Uh, you do have a podcast or you're about to start a podcast? I do. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that. Yeah. And I, I want to
1: answer this in two parts. Because even today, I realized I was in a rut. So this is a great time for this. So let me answer the question. So along the way, my main cleaning business had some really cool niche to it. People were wondering, well, how did you do this on two days a week? I built a system. I built a course. I started a podcast, the Smart Cleaning School. I offer different free resources on smartcleaningschool.com. I encourage you to go check that out, uh, the podcast. So if you're someone right now, that's considering, like my friend Robert, who was working a full-time job in retail for 25 years, and he jumped into smart cleaning school, and just like last week, he was able to quit his job and go full-time with a cleaning company. Of all things, who thought to be a cleaning company? And so it could be a great side hustle for you, and there's resources. I'm not the only resource out there, but if you were to go and just get the free downloads and, and you can watch, listen to the podcast from episode one on just Push Play, you'll learn how to build a cleaning company, see if that's something for you. Um, but I would also say this is that I'm sitting here today and there's another dream that I've had. And you can also get in a rut when you don't go realize a dream you've had for a long time and you let it stay dormant. And I, I, I've known this. I've had this. And I'm just going to. You're throwing it out there? I'm throwing it out there. Do oh, it. I'm do throwing it. it out there. Let me get. I have something in my bag. Okay. Surprise. Wait, is a book. It's yeah. got your name on it. It's got my name on it. Is that a novel? It is. So oh, this is so like is. surprise attack on Jerry. All right. And, and so in so, two, in two thousand, I'll do the short version of this. Yes. So yes, I have more cleaning school. If you want to start a cleaning company, look me up. I love helping people with it. So in two thousand ten, I had this really cool like idea to start telling stories from my kids. Because Jerry, if you see Jerry's reaction right now, he's just like smiling. There are <laughs> blanks in this book with these. Yeah. Okay. I'll explain it. Okay. So I started telling stories from my then five-year-old son who's now sixteen and driving. God bless him. And <laughs> and I'm making up these stories at bedtime. And I'm like, okay, Kenny, what do you want to be? I want to be the greatest discovery man, adventure discovery man of all time. And I started using this gift of storytelling. And I'm just like telling him stories. I'm making it up. My wife's like, remember she's the one that told me to uh you know do the cleaning business? She said, Okay, honey, why don't you start hit the record button and record these crazy stories that you're doing? I'm like, uh-huh okay, I recorded over that summer and 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 22 hours of these stories, this 10 book adventure. And then I'm like, okay, now what? And I you know, meet with my pastor a little bit later. And he says, so what's you up, what you been up to Ken? Well, I'm working, I'm cleaning. And I just, you know, wrote kind of had this idea for a book and he's like, what's this book? You need to write it. I'm like, what? And I got this dream birth in me. Like, why not turn this into a book? And the idea was, what if I could make something that was like super adventurous that a a boy could do with his dad or a daughter that could do with her dad? That I mean, there's a lot of dads that you're in a rut. You're you're coming home, you're jumping on video games, you're jumping on ESPN, you're jumping on YouTube, you're doing whatever you can to kind of mask the rut you're in. I'm just calling you out. I love you, I love your brothers, but probably a lot of you are doing that. I'll tell you what, there's a power in reading aloud to your kids. If you've got kids. Uh, doesn't matter what age, pick up a book. There's some great adventures, and your kids will, will jump in the adventure with you. So I wrote this book, Arctic Land, and I just showed it to Jerry. And it's got blank lines, and there's, there's three characters. There's dad. There's a blank line. The blank line is your child, which is between the age of like 7 and 11. And you can just stick your, your kid's name in there. And you read your son or daughter into the book. It becomes a co-led adventure between father and son. And you're trying to find your missing grandfather who's this great discovery man man. and you're going to these magical lands it's kind of like narnia meets indiana jones yeah and like i don't i I don't want to turn this whole interview into this but i get excited about this this is awesome yeah so in here there's like these uh, little logos you can go on the website and download this free logbook so there's like this indiana jones looking logbook and every time you see one of those you, you leave the book yeah and then father and son, father and daughter, they go outside of the house and they like tap a tree to get water out of it or build a shelter outside or make a dragon out yeah. of Legos or there's a, a project they do. They take a picture. Oh, they put man. it in the log book. So yeah. I wanted to create something that father and son, father and daughter could do together to, to connect them. Yeah. And that also can help the family portion. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I do, but what I said, I was in a rut. I've had this dream jury for over 10 years. I yeah. published this in 2015 and when we moved to Philly, I put this on the shelf. Oh, no. And <laughs> oh, put man. it on the shelf for six months to a year yeah. to go build up my company so I can make enough money. It's important yeah. to do that. Um, but I haven't taken it back off the shelf, and it's been a long time. Yeah. And hearing some of the things this morning and meeting with the people at the meeting and the power of going to a conference, it sparked my dream. Yeah. And I'm realizing that, you know, why not just, why not just talk about this? It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you're the first one I've been able to, to share it with here today. I'm oh, I, man. sorry to hijack the interview, but. No, I no, just, no, no. This is,
0: was, I mean, this is what the show's about is uh, men and, and women too, um, pursuing their dreams. The, the ones that are just God given on their heart. I need to do this to make the world a better place uh, and do it in a way that you're not sacrificing your family. You're not compromising your faith. You're not compromising your health. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the. This conference has actually helped me hone in that message. That's beautiful. <laughs> so that's beautiful. Uh, and it, so when you busted out that book, like <laughs> this is a dream that's on your heart. It's been it on is. there for a decade. It is. Uh, and your your wife said, "Look, you got to dust this thing off and make it happen." And it is right there in print. And you know, I'm already picturing in my head dads around the world, uh, at least the ones who could read English, uh, building. Are you familiar with choose your own adventure books?
1: I I'm, I actually was partially friends with one of the one of the writers. Okay, I re- reached out to him. Yeah. I, I used to read those voraciously as a kid. Yeah, huge impression. And upon in this,
0: me. it's not a choose your own adventure, but you are the adventure. You exactly. and your child are the adventure. And I would, I'd venture you could even go as low as like five years old and. Uh, fill in the blanks of you and the child and tell those stories over the course of weeks and do it with feeling. That's, that's the biggest thing I would, I would tell dads is when you read your kids, don't just like read the book all nervous. Like, Oh, I'm not a good reader. I mean, it, it's a first grade, you know, this is not a first grade reading level. Um, uh, but read it with feeling, have some excitement with it. act it out. And, Get them excited. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I won't bore the dads with this, but trust me, there's a book out there, read aloud handbook, Jim Trey it talks about the gazillion advantages to you and especially your children with learning, with relationships, with connectivity between you and them on the power of reading aloud to your child. I did the research and I, 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 was, I was amazed by, this, by the numbers. And so if you just, like dads out there, maybe this is the tip that I'm leaving. This crazy guy that got fired from his job because a dagger got put through his heart. And here I go, you know, writing a book and starting a cleaning business and helping people. Like, I'm all over the board. It's like, what's this guy really doing? <laughs> but I would say this. If you get that, you know, that metric where you're looking at those F's and you're looking at the family metric, well, how do I do better at family? Well, I mean, take a look at your marriage. And as far as your relationship with your children, it is easy to go to the library and grab some magic tree house books. If they're four or five, six years old. Or some Narnia books if they're eight, nine, ten years old. Possibly check out my book if they're you know between seven and eleven, and just read it to them. And like Jerry, I love what you said there. Don't just say and they walked up to the building. And no, it's like oh my, they walked up to the building. So if your name, what's your what was your son's name? Jacob. Jacob. Now he's yeah. older. He's twenty one, right? He's almost twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So this Jake, month. when yeah. Jacob was eight, it's like see, well, Jacob, here's the story. They walked up to the building and they entered the building. It's like, Jacob, he walked up to the building. They knocked on the door. Oh, the door opens. You walked in. Don't be, you don't have to be maybe as crazy as I am, but add a little bit of emotion. You'll draw them into the story. If you can draw your kids into a story young, they'll get into the habit of doing, being a part of stories, telling stories, and making their life more of an adventure. So why not do adventures? You don't have to do adventures outside all the time. You can create one right there in their bedroom before they go to bed. And the most impressionable time between a father and a son... Father and daughter, there's um, there's stats on this. It's like when they first wake up, when they get home from school, during dinner, and the most impressionable is right before bed. So why not take 15 minutes per night? Grab a book. It yeah. doesn't have to be my, my book, any book. So yeah. there's a lot
0: there. will you put them through at bedtime, that puts... That routine. That Yeah, they're, they're, their mind works on that while they're sleeping oh, and 100%. recharging. Yeah. And so. you,
1: if you do something like a magic tree house or any of these kind of books, it gets their minds imagining... And that's that helps the other app, the future, right? So, this could be a great prescription for some of those guys in a rut with their family, in a rut with your job. I think I'm hoping I gave enough like tips in that I could help. And I'm I'm figuring it out. I don't know the <laughs> answers. I'm figuring it out. And you know, I hope I didn't bore anyone out there. And I really appreciate that you you took the time to ask me some of these some of these questions. I haven't had a chance to answer in a while. So. Thank you for giving oh, yeah. me the opportunity.
0: I'm glad you opened up and just shared this with folks cuz this is this is good stuff. I mean everything from being faced with a career that you know was just it was potentially going to suck the soul out of your life, uh, taking a dive in, running a business, building a business, having those cautionary tales, switching gears and being a teacher for other businesses. So you're now leveraging what you know to help other folks improve their lives. I mean talking about, you know, pursuing a life that is changing the world. I mean you you changed the lives of others who've opened up businesses and succeeded in that. You're, you're going to change lives with um, the, this book and the series of books that are to come uh, because you're talking about not just dads now, but their kids. <laughs> and if that, I mean, just, I'm going to try to make you cry right now I mean, because so <laughs> then if those kids grow up and repeat that tradition. Now you're talking about another generation after that. So you're impacting at least from dads now to grandkids and, and dads, you listening right now, uh, everything he said, you're not just impacting your kids. You're impacting your grandkids who aren't even a thought in the eyes of your children right now because they're, they're little. They're not even, well, maybe they're like pretending to play house and stuff, but they're nowhere near making grandkids for you yet. And you're going to be changing their lives and they're not even born yet. And so just get fired up and say, I'm going to start reading to my kid now. If if you got anything from this episode, start reading to your kid now tonight, um, have fun with it, uh, but then also... Download, measure it to make it uh, beyond the rut.com slash goals. I'll put it in the show notes. We're going to talk about it in the outro, uh, but Ken, thank you so much for, for being on here. This, I mean, I'm fired up. So thank I'm, you.
1: I'm so glad that we met in at podcast movement Nashville. You just never know who you're going to meet. And uh, it's great. I have a new friend, Mr. Yeah. Jerry Dugan. Thank you so much. Heck yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So you heard from Ken as he shared his story about why he left a major uh, potential leadership career. Uh, with a corporation to start a business cleaning other people's homes other people's businesses and now he helps others to do the same and hopefully you gleaned from there some applicable tools for your own situation and if you found this episode valuable hit the share button right now and send this episode to somebody you think will also find value in it maybe you know somebody who's in the same stage that ken was in just years ago now, you can also check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 299. We're just one episode away from episode 300. So stay tuned for next week because Ken, in this session, flipped the script on me after we were done, and he interviewed me for our own show, uh, for this show. And so episode 300 is going to be that interview. I've never really opened up the mic to have somebody pour into me and make me open up. So this is that chance. I mean, there are episodes where I did open up. Uh, however, this is where he actually put me under the spotlight. it was it was kind of it was nerve-wracking to be honest. Uh, so check that out. That'll be episode three hundred. And in the meantime, until next week, go live life beyond the rut. Right. Take care.